Welcome to Thinking Outside the Box with Gavin Rubinstein. Conversations between Gavin and the people he believes have trailblazed by thinking outside the box in their field, industry, or even just in his office. Ladies and gentlemen, we have got an absolute legend of the game. Really, really happy to have you here. Welcome to the podcast, Mr. Bill Maloof. Thank you very much. What's going After on? that introduction, <laughs> I think I should leave. Is that it? Podcast that done? it. Podcast done. How you going, man? I'm good. It's good, good to see you. I'm enjoying life. What's news? How's it going out there? I think the move that we've made with uh, Highland is probably one of the best things I've ever done. I like Dave Highland. He yeah. was on here. He's a good dude. He's a good operator. How's it changed things, if at all? Look, it's changed things in a number of areas. I've always believed that you look at what your new unique talents are individually, right? And if you're a salesman, that's exactly where you should concentrate on your business. Yep. If you have problems with back end or accountancy, you go and find the best person that, to do that section. So go with your assets and not be too proud to admit that's not what I do. My father taught me that very early in life. And when I decided, especially with David coming into the business, I wasn't just going to walk away from it and do absolutely nothing because I absolutely love what I do. But what I realized, we had shortcomings and our shortcomings were, we're not being managed correctly from behind. I looked at David Highland's uh, organization because I was asked to go over and do a property on the waterfront in Cronulla. And when I went into his office and he had 120 people working for him and he has a concierge service and they have a finance division, I'm sitting there looking at myself in the mirror going, <laughs> what, the fuck goodness, <laughs> what the hell am I doing? So he was going to come into Double Bay under the project division. And I've got to give the credit to Anthony Bell. Belly came to me and said, you're not happy, are you? I said, I'm definitely not happy. I need to restructure this company. And it was Belly who brought David Highland to us. And he turned around immediately because he was friendly with David, my son. Dave Highland was friendly with yeah, Dave Maloof, your son. David, yeah, they had a relationship. A, a yeah. funny little story is that David Highland rang David and said, look, I've got a waterfront in Cronulla. This is that big one for like 50, 60. What was it called? Uh, white one. Steve Shelley's property right. yep. on 4,000 square metres. David, my son, said, look, you've got to do me a favour. David Highland gives me his clients over here. You've got to come to Cronulla. You've got to have a look at that. I said, I'm not driving one hour to go and look at a house that we're not going to have anything to do with. Put him off. Anyway, this went on for three weeks. And then David Highland rang me as well and said, look, I want you to look at this. And not only do I want you to look at it, I said, we'll probably partner up together and, and sell it because you've probably got a buyer coming out of the east. Right. And that's your market anyway, would, right? Correct. Yeah. So I said, all right, I'll come over. I'll give you two hours. We'll come. We'll walk through the house. Gab, I've got to say to you, when I walked through that home, it looked amazing. the attention yeah, yeah, to detail blew me away. And I was there for probably two and a half to three hours. And then I sat down with David Highland and Steve Shelley. And I turned around to Steve and said, I've got to have my name. I've got to have my name connected <laughs> yeah. to this property. Yeah. If that property was in the eastern suburbs, it's 130 yeah, 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 of course, of course. Yeah. And we did get in excess of 50 million offered on that property. How did it come about that you ended up going into business together? Well, then I went down and I saw at that time, I saw what his operation was yep. in Cronulla and yep. I thought this is an amazing for a guy that set a business up 15 years ago. 
And Anthony Bell, who I mentioned is my accountant. It's also his accountant. He's my accountant too. Right. Well, Belly came to me <laughs> and said- Belly, um, we're plugging you, baby. We exactly. Want, we want side pocket. Exactly. Yeah. And he turned around and said, look, I got the perfect partner for you. He said, I can see that it's not working the way you want it to work. So This was I, your business at the time, yeah, wasn't it? this is correct, where yeah. we were. Because your back end wasn't solid. Correct. And we'd gone into business with Mark Meyer at the time. Yep. And there were, we had two different ideas on what works and what doesn't work. I appointed Belly with approval from Mark Meyer to go out and find somebody because, as you know, he probably handles two or 300 real estate agencies. And I wanted somebody that could bring something to the table that we didn't have. Yeah, fix your problem almost, right? Exactly. And that's exactly what happened. From the day one when we sat down at the table with David Highland, this is it. This is the guy. This is the vision. This is the projects that we want to get involved in. And more importantly, the girls and the managements for each division that he had were exceptional people. Hence, the partnership was put together very, very quickly. Well, he's almost fitting the missing piece of your puzzle, right? Correct. And he did that, and which was also the future plan for your son, David, and him to work in collaboration in future when maybe you decide- I've had enough. 100%. But look, which, I, by the way, people, is not happening shortly. I still love what I do. Well, you and I are working together on a listing, and you've yep. got, you got phenomenal energy. You're not close to, I mean, hanging it up, right? Because I can tell just watching what you do and how you do it, you've got huge passion for what you do. And if I can just wind it back from the, the Highland Maloof deal, which is great. And I want to even talk more about it, but if we can wind it back right to the beginning of your journey, of your story, like I believe you got in a game at about 30 years old because prior to that, you were in the pub business, right? Correct. 35. So I'm 35 now, right? And you got into real estate at 35. 35. I've been in the game 15 years. That's fucking crazy just to think about that. Because of the success you've had in such a short period of time, we need to understand that. Tell me about pubs why that didn't work out and what got you into real estate? What was the push there? Look, I'll give you the very short version because it's been out there on other talks that I've done. I had a nasty- I like the short version. That's not a pun. Exactly. (laughs) I had a nasty incident that had happened, which worried my wife, which almost threatened my life. And I'll go back- when we had the Golden Grove Hotel at Maroubra, there was a guy called Michael Sanchez who yep. ran yep. Richardson He lived Ranch. on Fitzwilliam Road on the corner, Correct. right? Correct. Well, yeah, he yeah. was in real estate in Maroubra. And he approached me many, many years ago when I was still in the pub industry and said, look, I ran a betting syndicate on a rugby league. So we used to have a big dinner at the end of the year and whoever had got the most points on picking the winners got 50% of the pool. And Mike said to me, Oh, you're in the wrong industry. You got to come and work for me. I'll train you. And I said, Mike, when I was 15, I was doing this. This is the family business. I'm never going to leave it. And after this incident at Auburn, my wife said, you got two choices, either stay in the hotel industry or I'm not sticking around. This is Gina, she, yeah? Yeah. She well, said, you won't be alive. When Gina puts her foot down. And she put her foot down. Yeah, okay. So I rang Mike. And now we're talking a long time after the Golden Grove at Maroubra. We're talking something like 20 years. And he said, there's a desk in my office in Maroubra. Start tomorrow. I will train you. And you're 35 at And I was 35. That's insane. Now, the main reason that flipped me was we were living on the premises of the Royal Hotel at Auburn. There's a guy, and I still know this guy's name. In fact, I even went to the guy's funeral. There's a guy called George Devine. George Devine had one arm. He was a real estate agent in Strathville. We decided we wanted to buy a house in Strathville way back then. 
he showed me two properties. I actually sent a letter out to seven agencies, including his, describing exactly what I want and the must-haves. As a buyer. The, as a buyer. I had an early opener. So if I had an early opener, I was working from sort of 3 a.m. in the morning and I had a lounge bar that used to close rather late. So I didn't have a lot of free time. And I said to Gina at the time, after we looked at several properties, I said, this is amazing. Here I have sent a letter out specifically saying what I wanted or what I needed. No one got back to you. No, the people took me with what was on their books, Right, all the other agencies. This is before buyer's agents. Correct. George Devine showed me two properties, one of which I, I purchased. I said to him, you're an amazing guy, George. I said, I hate having my time wasted. I don't have a lot of free time. You showed me two. And both of them basically covered 80% of what I was looking for. I said, you must have this market to yourself because the others are idiots. And I went home and I said to my wife, if this is the way real estate agents operate, I've got to show and I've got to make a change in my life. And she said, I want you to make a change. What are you going to do? I said, I'm going to go into real estate. Right. So, but how do you go from working in a desk in Maroubra to holding the keys to the top end market of Sydney? That's a lovely plug, but I don't know whether (laughs) I hold the top end of the market in Sydney. What I did was I rang Mike. He said, there's a desk start tomorrow. Went home to my parents and said, great, I'm going to have a career change. And he said, my man was shocked. I love the hotel game. Well, you would have been dealing with people there as well. Correct. But the other thing is, in a hotel business, if you want a successful one, you did everything. You ran their social life, you ran their football clubs, you were a shoulder to cry on. I mean, I'm not joking about that. That's how out in the West, that's what happened. Sure. And it literally takes over your whole life, your whole family life. And we didn't have children at the beginning then. And Gina said to me, this this is going to run. You're not going to do both. And then I thought to myself, I'll go to Maroubra. I'll find out whether I can make it or not. Yeah. And then you know what? I'm going to want to finish in Mecca. And Mecca is the eastern suburbs. 100%. Right? It's Double Bay. <laughs> it's Point Piper. It's Vaucluse. Why go out and cut my teeth, find out I have the capacity to do this, and then three years down the track say, oh, I want to now go to the eastern suburbs. And serious question, when you call it the Mecca, and I love that interpretation of the east, I might take it from you and start <laughs> to use that. But when you call it that, was the intention there for an honest question, the dollars because bigger commission checks or was it for the passion? It was for both reasons. If you make it and you've got to crawl before you walk and make no mistake, I crawled. I crawled to $200,000 properties in uh, Dover Heights when I first started. I found a patch. You've got to crawl before you walk. But the main reason for the change more than anything else was why go and waste three to four years trying to establish myself as an identity in Maroubra and then decide I'm capable of being successful in this industry, go and starting again, which would be another three or four years to build a name in uh, the Eastern Suburbs. Right. And I went and saw my dad and the, we lived in Victoria Road. We had networks right, there. Right, right, right. So and did I you also, grow up in the East? I was at a boarding school. At, uh, no, we were originally at Strathville. My parents moved to the East. I was at Joey's in a boarding school until I left school. What number of Victoria Road? Do you remember? Uh, 73 Victoria Road on the corner of Victoria and Dromalbin. Oh, the That's circular grew, one? The one on the other side. Oh, no, okay. Phil Maloof okay. was in the circular one. Right, okay. Phil Maloof was in, oh, in wow. that one and Lua Bird was over the road. Good spot. Okay, yeah. I decided, well, if I'm going to cut my teeth, let's go and do it. One move, one move only, because as you know, if you change offices or well, you change postcodes, you're starting from scratch again. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't matter what you did in Maroubra. It has no relevance to what happens in the eastern suburbs. Well, the work you do is in relation to your reputation, somewhat a public company, right? One way to look at 
at it, your reputation is worth shares. And the more good work you do for people in the area, the more that compounds over time. Correct. But yours went or seemed to have go at a rapid rate, right? Because 35 to 50, how? Like you you dominated. And you talk about now having a big corporation with Highland Maloof, your son now coming to the business, doing really incredible things on his practice side. I'm sure, you know, an extremely nice experience for you to see and work alongside him. But for a long time, you were a very strong lone wolf who dominated everyone, right? What did you do? What were the principles you followed to build such a good reputation and get so much market share in a short period of time? You and I have had discussions over the years when you came in and my principles haven't changed. Can I pick a couple of them? Well, go on. You tell me. What are they? So one thing I remember that you were always hell bent on, which I picked up from you at a young age, always be available. You always pick up the phone. No matter what. And I mean, it seems like a simple concept, but when I was an assistant and I used to watch any one of your talks or whenever we would have conversations, it was one thing that resonated with me because people would always talk about real estate agents not being available, not picking up their phone. Correct. That was one. The second one was first class service. You always need to give first class service to your vendor. And you used to compare it to the likes of a really good restaurant. Am I right? Yes. Right. So remember that story? Of course I do. So you used to talk about providing good service to people the same as someone having a good experience at a restaurant. And if someone would have a good experience at a restaurant, they would tell their friends about it. Their friends would tell their other friends about it. And the restaurant would continue to be packed and continue to get repeat customers. And you know nothing about the principal. You've never met the owner of the business. Correct. But because your experience the meal, the service was sensational. You will personally go back to that restaurant with a group of people within seven to 10 days. I've always said to people, self-recommendation means absolutely nothing. Agreed. It's what people say about you behind your back. And they can only say good things on the basis that you've given them a great experience, your credibility, your honesty, your accessibility, and most important, your product knowledge. Well, that one is another big one. And the other one that you always bring up, and those would be the five, is just remember you're always working for the vendor. And I know you, like me, we live and die by the sword for the clients that we represent. There's never any gray area in regards to that for us. It was was something else I I picked up from you. So you're telling me if there's a 35-year-old man or female right now who is in a particular industry, they have the ability to come into real estate, apply those principles, and build a profile and a business like Bill Maloof. I believe it 100% because I've done it. You've got to crawl before you walk, which is exactly what I did. But more importantly, I don't have a university degree for starters. Neither. My son does not have a university. (laughs) My daughter does. My other daughter does. James, my youngest, also does. My view was whatever I wanted to do, I didn't want any restriction into the capacity of what I could make, right? And you think about this, this industry, no, no, and there are people out there writing in gross yeah, commissions yeah. of 20 million, 10 million. There's no ceiling. Million. There's, no, There's ceiling. no ceiling. What is ceiling is things that my father taught us. When we all turned 18, we had a meeting with my father in our office at Victoria Road, and the words were simple as this, I've lent you my name, do not dirty it at no stage of your life. I have never forgotten that. I've also tried to express that into my children, that your life, your honesty, your self-worth is extremely important to success. And you learn from those things. Sure. I mean, I got a scrapbook when I first started in Dover Heights. Every sale that was not being done by me, because I was a new boy on the block, I cut out of the Wentworth Courier, out of Sydney Morning Herald, a copy of the ad. 
right? I went and looked at that property. I then had an opinion myself. No matter how bad or how wrong it was, I wrote it down. And if it was in a block of units, it was on the top floor or the middle floor or the ground floor, because as you know, every floor has a different value. And the ground floor and the, and the top floor, because ground can go out to a garden, the sure. top floor's got water views. I wrote down the sale of everything that transpired in Dover Heights. Yeah. Why? Because I wanted to have a history book. So if I got into any of resales in these buildings Don't or really a house or a semi, I already had the knowledge. And what you said about accessibility is the most important thing. It is the most important thing. Why? Today, why do most I don't want them to wake up. <laughs> and I say it every time. I don't want them. You ring 60% of the real estate agents in Double Bay at six o'clock at night. I guarantee they won't be you get a message. I've got my offsider. I've got my phone diverted to them now, so I don't miss a call while we're having this conversation. You can never not reach me, well, ever, no matter what I'm in. Sometimes it does get overwhelming, obviously with building the business and amount of listings and sometimes the incoming calls. But whenever I get frustrated with the phone going off, I just remembered when I started, I used to pray for that to happen. Correct. And you never forget about it. You've got to take stock. I was appointed recently on something at Darling Point, which we've sold, and I had three uh, competitors. And I think one of the serious reasons that they ended up picking me was I turned around and said, ring me. She said, when? I said, any time. She said, what do you mean by any time? I said exactly what I said. You ring me at 2 in the morning, I'll answer. You ring me at 4 a.m. in the morning, I'll answer. Her lawyer tested me at 12 (laughs) o'clock. I answered. I'm asleep at 12, man. You, you just. I go to bed at 11, 30, 12, but if my phone rings, I I. Oh, so you leave it on loud? Yep. Okay, well. Never turn it off. Why? I could maybe do that. Because we're in a serviced industry. Yeah. And when people, and at the level that we operate at, are coming home, it's eight or nine o'clock at night from the office. Sure. Their CEOs, their directors, their major shareholders, they'll drive past the signboard and they feel, I'll text this guy. I just want to know what range that it's in. You text me, you get a phone call back. Yeah, love. You don't get a text back, you get a phone call there and then. Simple. And I think it's about what people, as I said to you at the very beginning of this, it's what they say about you. It's your credibility will determine what your life expectancy in real estate will last. When I've spoken at ARIC, I turned around and said arrogantly, if you're in this business for 10 years and you're still door knocking and you're still letterbox dropping, pal, you're doing something wrong. This is all about referral business from families, from uncles, cousins, lawyers, accountants. Profile. Exactly. And lawyers will only recommend you to their clients on the basis that they know their clients have already had a good experience with you. And that's what this game's about. So let me ask you this, right? You talk about building good clients. You talk about fighting for vendors and all, all of this good stuff, honesty, integrity, which I practice in my own world, we are sometimes put in a position that can be compromising. So let me tell you what I, I mean by that, right? Which can sometimes be a challenge. We're representing one side of a two-party transaction in what could be a very, very emotional process. And our duty is to always look out for the interest of that one party, right? Being the vendor, the other party being the buyer. Certain situations can sometimes make you have to make tough calls and hard decisions as the agent. For example, there's a really rare and unique property. There are two buyers who are interested on the property. The vendor is giving you particular instructions. You then act on those instructions and then they change their instructions, resulting in one of the two buyers missing out and being pretty pissed off, but ultimately you've done your duty, which is to the vendor and you can't withhold any information. You've been in the game 20, 25 years, right? There is no question some of the trophy homes you've transacted, the experiences you've had, you would have been you know, put in some 
freaking tough spots, man, outside of having to have some tough skin. How have you managed that? And is there any particular scenario that comes to mind, doesn't have to be addresses or names, that you can run through what you did, what you learned from it, and, and anything that could help someone going through a similar challenge? Okay. You said it at the beginning. We're engaged by the vendor. The matter is, I've got to get this guy the maximum that the market will pay. Key. And I'll give you an example. I was doing one a number of years ago. It's got to be 10 or 11 years ago now on Walsley Road. I had a buyer that was extremely keen on this property. In fact, he wanted me to close it out. He rang me up and these are the exact words. Here is my offer. I'm ready to perform immediately now. And the property had only been on the market for about seven or eight days. My offer, I remember it clearly, was $23 million. Right big out. money a long time okay, ago. That's is. the equivalent it of like was, 60, 70 mil now. It yeah. was, it was yeah. big money at the time. Right. I had three vendors in the sense that- Beneficiaries. The, no, it wasn't a deceased estate. The father was moving in with one of the sons. The one son was a doctor, the daughter was a doctor, and the other son had an antique shop. And I got a phone call, and this is exactly how the phone call went. I want that property. There's a half a million in this for you in a suitcase. I'll never forget it. And I said, no, there isn't. Now your offer is 22 or 23.5 million. It will not go into a suitcase. It'll go on the table. And I proceeded on that. I actually sold it to somebody else for a little bit more, for another (laughs) half a million. We've got to be true yeah. to ourselves. Yeah. And I know there are deals out there and you've experienced oh, this. Oh, man, I've had a lot of it. We, no one's ever offered me half a buck, but, well, but decent. Yeah. Okay, what about this? You've got three people on a house. Two of the people have absolutely nothing to sell. Oh, I get the that all the time. The agent also tells you get that all the time, this yeah. is going to go all the way into the auction. And then all of a sudden, within a week of that property exchanging, the other two people never even got a phone call. The person who had the, the, the oncoming property that the agent was going to get on the basis that he transacted that property for them. And this goes on Happens a lot, all the time. as yeah, you would know. Of course. Will never happen in my school. And this is why you've got to be able to wake up in the morning, look at yourself in the mirror and say, I feel 100% with the way I operate. And more importantly, I had a very early rule. And I mean, this might sound strange. When I sell for you, I want to know nobody else could have got that result. And so when they decide to come back in two years or five years. Sometimes hard to manage with market fluctuations, right? it is, but you want to be able to walk away. Knowing you did your best. Knowing you did your best. And more importantly, the vendors have walked away and said, we are so happy with what happened. But I mean, the the amount of time, and I, I appreciate all that, the amount of time you've been in the business, the volume of transactions, the type of transactions, there is bound to be some people out there, as many raving fans as there are, some people who are not a raving fan, right? Because, Without a doubt. So Because with such great success like yours, the universe has to balance and there's got to be some negativity. How have you managed that over the years? You're never going to win all the time, okay? I can give my feelings straight out there, but my personality, as you know, I'm very strong in my view. I'm very strong in my opinions in regards to where I think the property sits. Now, that's not going to win over all people, all times. So the ones that don't feel comfortable with me, I'm going to miss out on. The ones, and I'll say this very clearly to you, the ones that want an agent that wants to discount their fees and pay for advertising, they shouldn't be talking to me. I have a set fee structure. Everybody knows that. And I think that free structure is based on the results that I've been able to achieve over the 35 years. And I think you've got to be true to yourself. It's not about volume. It's about 
doing the right thing and being credible. And that's what you want out of this game. You want people to know this is the most expensive asset that most families have, right? And they're entitled to the best upside that they can possibly get in the results. But they also need you, that somebody that they've only met six months ago or referred to, to handle this most expensive asset. And they've got to feel comfortable. And as you know, I don't write lists and send them off to people as an appraisal on what's happened. You've been with me yeah, recently. Yeah, yeah. I'm very much a face-to-face guy. Yeah, shoot, I will sit with the them. If we're, if we're in trouble, they'll know we're in trouble. If the expectation's not going to be reached, are they negotiable on certain areas here in regards to price? Because as you know, market changes. Of course. Markets run. The last yeah. two years, the market's run unbelievably. Now we're experiencing softer Getting times different. to a yeah. certain extent. Yeah. And you're right. Indifference is a perfect word. Banks are raising interest rates, yeah. standard of living in Sydney has got so expensive, staff are coming around now and saying, I need an increase in salary because I can't survive on what I'm on. Yeah, I've heard that for and the last heard that. many years. We all hear it. Yeah, yeah. But how have you combated, because there are a lot of agents who do severely discount fees, a lot of agents who will tell the owners what they want to hear rather than what they need to hear. And I know you're the sort of guy who tells owners what they need to hear. Very much also something that I think we're aligned on. Whenever I speak on a podcast, your name is brought up. I always talk about us having certain alignments in parts of our practice. And that's a big one of them. Not to say we get it right every single time. No, you're correct. We're human fucking beings. That's, you know, I mean, we understand product knowledge, but what you see is what you get. And I think that's really important. With a lot of practitioners, real estate agents, it's just so not the case. How have you dealt with that over the years? We do our homework, all right? We know what's transacted. I said to you, I kept a scrapbook. I can tell you every waterfront that's sold in the eastern suburbs, what it's sold for, and what one advantage is against the other. That's your product knowledge. So you just can't walk in. And yes, there are some freaky sales that are out there that defies all logic and fantastic for the agent that got that result. But what I want to rely on in history that people can look back and say, no matter what happened, he was true to himself and to us and gave us the best advice that was available at the time. How many times have you walked away and missed out on something because of the price and lot, then found lot, out what you actually told them was correct? So you know what I countless. do? I put it on the back of my business card when I'm, <laughs> when they say, look, we think you're two or three million out of the market and we're going with somebody else. Yeah. I said, do me a favor. When you do sell, no animosity. Just have a look at what I wrote on the back of that card. Yeah. And I had a lady in Dover Heights most recently on a small property. We're talking about a semi. She rang me back after the sale. We put close to mid, uh, mid threes. It was three and a half million. We lost it to somebody else and I'll, I'll leave it at there on who we lost it to at 3.8 million. She rang me back. They did a deal at 3.45 million. Yeah, but what got me more than anything was not the loss of the commission. She said, I own three other properties and they are only going to, when it comes to the market, they'll come to you. Yeah, love that. That's what I didn't forget. Yeah, love that. I had a situation recently where I was pitching for a piece of business, nine, $10 million property. My fee on it was 1.8%. They paid full marketing. When the owners had given me the business and they called the other agents, right, to say that um, you're not going to get the business and we don't have to talk names. One of them, when they told them they were going with me, responded that they would, as a once-off offer, not only pay for marketing, but sell the property for free. Hey, 
I can tell you who it is. <laughs> and um, that happens too. And they couldn't believe, but you know what? They called me and they're like, I don't even want to be working with this people. They still gave me the business. I thought it was very honorable, right? Because there are some people out there who would have jumped in at a deal like that, right? Let's, we deal with all walks of life. People do some crazy things. Huh? Of course they do. Don't forget, there are a number of agencies or agents that are out there. It's more about the ego than the result. And I know who you're talking about in regards to the free. You wouldn't even But life's it. not free. <laughs> and we're dealing with educated people. What service do you get from somebody that turns around and 100%. says, I'll pay for your marketing and I guess what? I'll be so honoured to have this property. <laughs> I'll do it for nothing. Where's the credibility yeah. in that? Do you know any public company that trades for nothing? No, I don't know. Thank you. Yeah. Neither do I. Yeah. Crazy. We, we, we have a certain amount of time in a week. And our businesses are all about the bottom line as well. It's about creating reputation. It's being true to yourself and more importantly, true to the client. What we get out of this is the negotiation. We love that's the it. negotiation. Yeah, it's a game, baby. We love to take one people a lot smarter than we are <laughs> and get them to commit to something at a level that they never thought they'd pay. 100%. And there's a lot of feeling and, and there's, you know, there's a, the accomplishment of that it's I get amazing. a hell of a kick yeah. out of it. So you, what you're saying essentially is always focus on the passion, but understand you're running a business too. So bottom line is very, very important. Without a doubt. Be passionate where it's possible to have a bottom line. And if you know your stuff, hold your honor and integrity, always are accessible. You could have a, a pretty good run. You'll have an excellent run. How hard do you have to work? When I started, extremely hard. Okay. I don't mind admitting 11 o'clock at night. Well, then you and, and, the you, office and I at 8 a.m. you and I on a Monday night were at this vendor's house, 7.30 to 8.30 was suit and tie. This is a few weeks ago. I'm <laughs> certainly not doing the numbers that no, I was course, doing course, 10 years course, ago, no, right? Of course, yeah. I have Mondays off now where I didn't before. I work seven days a week like, like you know. But today, for me, this is about enjoyment. And more importantly, think and a prime example of this is the relationship that you actually have with that vendor that we are now working for together. Yeah. Right? Yeah. There are friendships that you form over those 15 years or 25 years of people that you did not know would be your personal True. and inner circle friends. And that's what I love about this. The hotel, the best client I ever had was somebody who couldn't stay away from the drink, right? With this industry, my clients are vendors, highly yeah, networked yeah, vendors yeah, or social people that I've built long-term relationships and go out to dinner and enjoy their company and their lives. I've learned so much from my vendors over the last 15 years. It's been invaluable. It's one of the inspiration side for me, certain situations that have opened up my eyes and exposed me to things and properties and, you know, just experiences has been such a huge piece of enjoyment of the job for me. And that never stops. It continues to that grow. That continues yeah. because you're meeting new people all yeah. the time. Smart people. And very smart, very smart and highly people. intelligent yeah. people. Yeah, yeah. And I like that. I like Same. to sit and have general conversation with people and socialize with them privately. And that's what I think is a great buzz with what we do. And, and that's at what, the same time, we get paid for doing it. And that's why you obviously continue to have passion for it and continue to do it. Look, I don't think there's a better industry in the world. I mean, if someone said to me, if you had a second choice today. How old are you well, now, Billy? Sorry. I'm 68. You got a better head of hair than me. Yeah, I'm 68. I'm actually 69 <laughs> this year, insane. I think. Yeah. But I love it. It's not. Hey, listen, listen. I'm telling you right now, this is an energy game. This man is a poster for 68 years old. This is an energy game. How have you managed your energy over the years? 
Has it been something you've consciously been aware of? I think, and I said this earlier to you, it's the love of the game. It's the love of the kill. It's the passion about what we do. And the other thing is, I remember very clearly, my father said to me when, when I decided I wanted to leave and when we were even 18 or 19, and this is a, an experience that actually happened with David and myself. He said to me, son. David, your son. Yes. Yeah. He said, whatever you do, and it's obviously going to be at this stage, the hotel industry, remember this. To be a success, you're probably going to be in that industry for 40 years. Make sure that when you wake up in the morning, you're not going to a job. You're actually going to somewhere that you enjoy what you do. And I've never lost that from the day that I went into real estate. And if I have any regrets, I, I should have walked ask. out of school and walked straight into a real estate office. Right. So that's as funny enough. That was my last question. I was actually going to say, do you have any regrets? That's probably one. Just not that I wasted earlier. too much time doing something else that I did enjoy from a personal point of view, wouldn't have been as productive as what this industry has taught me and has given me and has given my family. On family, I mean, you've got a beautiful family, happily married. You've got two boys, two girls. Managing that and building the business ever challenging or tough? Look, of course it is, as you know, but Gina well, and I- I don't know because okay. of my family. Well, right? <laughs> okay. But you grew up in a family. Yeah, I did. I did. Gina was responsible for the education of the kids and the schools and where they wanted them to go. I wanted the boys to go to Joey's. Cranbrook was the choice because she never wanted her children to be boarding and, and King's Couple was the other. She managed that area of their life because I was so busy at 35 trying to reestablish myself. I didn't get to spend the time that I wanted to. But one thing that's so true now, uh, my kids are 40 years and down. We socialize together. They come over and we yeah, eat no, together. Got a great vibe. We travel yeah, together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My grandkids are the most exceptional thing in the world that I have to look forward to now, and I have five of them. Wow. That's what a completion of life is. It's, yeah. it's not about the dollars and cents for me. It's about what we've created for the family and the enjoyment that what life has given me today. No, I love that. And and we're going to wrap up soon because I know your your time is valuable. What's the future for Highland Double Bay Maloof? Where does that go? What do you foresee happening? And and really, how, how much longer do you think you can keep? Because you punch with energy, right? 68 years old, is, you've got it. When do you think or, or is there a time you'll slow down? There is. Right? The day I wake up and say, I don't want to go to work. And that's nowhere in my DNA at this stage. And yes, are we expanding? We're in up at the Highlands now. We've opened our office in the Highlands. David has. We're looking at something else at the present moment. We see this relationship going further, going greater, and being a greater service to the community. And we always have a self-worth because we also pick a charity, which is the yeah, children's no, he does cancer. Right. I yeah, that, yeah. And I think that's important. You've got to give back. You just don't take. You've got to give back. I love that. Bill Maloof. Icon, man. I appreciate you coming. If anybody is listening or thinking about a career change, they're saying I'm 35, I'm 40. You know, it's too late. I can't make it happen. Listen to what this man just said. Appreciate what you do. Respect Absolute it pleasure. immensely. Thanks for coming. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to Thinking Outside the Box with Gavin Rubenstein. Subscribe now for future episodes.